like I didn't try to take a song on this album that didn't actually happen to me. I just didn't want to do that this time. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. I'm Nick Ryder, and I play guitar and sing in harmonica and adapter adapter. My name is Christopher Roy, and I play drums in adapter adapter. It's true. <laughs> it's all true. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you guys for for doing this. Um, I mean, yeah. The, the focus of tonight is to talk about your new record, No Comfort, that came out on October thirtieth. Um, it's available digitally right now, but you're also taking pre-orders for the vinyl of this, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we'll start with, with you, Nick. I mean, you are the primary songwriter of Adapter Adapter. band started in 2014, correct? Yep. Um, can you talk just like kind of quickly about uh, starting this band and, and what some of your uh, influence was, uh, you know, uh, the, the sound that, that you're looking to achieve with it and everything like that? Well, at the time, I just kind of wanted to be in a band again. And mm-hmm. I was trying to join blues bands and there wasn't a lot of like opportunities. And it kind of became like, I'll make my own. And okay. without really having a band, I told my uncle I did. And he gave me a show like the following week. And I went and played it. Um, at our first few, I, I would make like audience members or other musicians on the bill kind of like fill in. And what do you mean? Like uh, bring them like, up to like hence adapter adapter. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> it was literally like, uh, I don't know. The first bunch of shows were kind of like that. I would kind of show up and I didn't have a band, but I would usually play more than one set. But oh, okay. Um, I wanted a full band and mm-hmm. just to play harmonica. But again, it's hard to find people who like that kind of music. And I ended up with a drummer. And as a duo, we were able to just do a lot and work really quickly. Like within six weeks, we had an EP out and kind of started playing a lot of shows. So mm-hmm. mostly always kind of stayed that way. Again, Sometimes it's hard to even have to find one guy to play with, but I kind of roped Chris into it earlier this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now he's doing sure. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And and what's your history, Christopher? Like what uh you, you play drums in this band? How long have you been playing and how long have you known Nick? I've known Nick for probably about like fifteen years. Like around eighteen I met him. I'm thirty three now. So uh yeah, uh we started playing music almost immediately being friends uh he was the drummer in the first band i played in which is like a metal band and i played guitar uh mm-hmm. and you know he had a band at the time too that he, we both played shows in and 
you know, at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and around the same time, you know, because he was uh, the drummer in my band and the drum set was left at the basement I always hung out at, you know, I started picking up the drums and playing around like a lot of basic metal stuff, you know, blast beats and double bass and just obnoxiousness, you know, play as fast <laughs> as I could, you know. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I just started gaining a tract for it and uh, acquired a drum set. And I played in another band called the Heat Sticks, which was like a rockabilly band. And that's where I kind of really was like, okay, now you're a drummer in a band and you're not just jamming anymore. Uh, and that was with uh, two of my friends who also still play music. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, then I spent six years playing drums in Cactus Attack was like all my best friends and that was really great you know a lot of touring and stuff and i got a lot of real lot of experience uh playing drums in an atmosphere uh you know didn't take lessons i i, I do you know have a like a like a, a i feel like a want to kind of like go back and be like you know i really should learn some of these you know basic building blocks of drums and so you know, I, I, I look forward to kind of like exploring that more now that I play more. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and you know, uh, after Cactus Attack, um, I kind of took like maybe a year off right around the pandemic. And then Nick asked me to play and he had a kit. So I was like, yeah, sure. Come jam. And we've been playing since what, like March? Yeah, pretty much. Ish. Yeah. And yeah, just jamming at his house and uh you know, just to start writing an album. And now we're just kind of like keeping it going, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's about a quick history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, even just what you had mentioned, I, I didn't know that early history of the band, but uh, that's incredible that you just started playing in March. And then this album was recorded, the, the new album, No Comfort, was recorded in August, correct? Is that... Or sometime around mm. then, or we started sessions a few in months. May, I think. May, oh, oh, so yeah. even <laughs> started early as May. <laughs> Don't it slow us down. Really I mean, like, really even quicker than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like a weekend effort as much as it was like we would book studio dates to kind of like put it together piece by piece. Yeah, how much of the record did you have written when you brought Christopher on, Nick? Was it did you write it sort of collaboratively or? Um, like, or did you kind of have the record done and you just said, put some drums on this, you know? Well, I thought I had it done. And then what we had kind of changed. Like, um, initially, okay. I did have a very, like, I kind of hit up Chris and was like, yo, I want to make a new album and I don't have a drummer right now. And, but I thought I had everything mapped out. It's just, we had a very different chemistry and some things we were better at. Like there were things I thought we, uh, we were going to do. And then what we came up with was better. And just wow. the more we played like, um, so it was kind of funny because like, for instance, there were a couple of like newer songs, I think that Chris wasn't as into. And then I showed him some older songs that he liked more. Like Lizzie's revenge was actually, much older song. Okay. Yeah, I dig that one. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, Coffin Shaker, I've actually 
been playing for years and I'd never really had a drummer that learned it. So it kind of became like, what things do I have lately that would be better with this lineup? And also what can we take from the past and kind of like beef it up again? Again, um, the song Tell Me a Lie is actually on our second album, Redeemer. And it's one of the only songs I've ever wanted to record. And it kind of like, it became very obvious that we should redo this song. So it was kind of like a half and half. Like, I think what the album was going to be and what the album turned out to be was very different. It also had a different title. It was going to have different artwork. It, it kind of had different everything at one point to be honest i think <laughs> yeah, yeah okay there was like a week where like a lot of things changed uh and yeah. we just kind of were like all right new ideas and started kind of building from there uh but really i think for the better you know uh yeah uh, i can't I, i'm really happy with everything so far and you know physical copies it's just going to be the same thing i'm going to be like it's going to be brand new again you know and I'm going to listen to yeah. it all over again, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do remember reading a, a post, actually, as I was researching this, that it was, like, the first day, and you already had some surprises with, you know, what was kind of going on. Um, was that, uh, I mean, I, I guess you were just kind of mentioning it, but was it just, like, taking things in a new direction that was there? Or, um, you know, I'd love to get into working with uh, George uh, at Galilee, like, was it from input from him of like having, you know, I mean, I've recorded a lot. George had, is the man. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You haven't heard True. it. Huh? You've heard it from me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like what, what was that? Like what were some of those things that, that, that changed or, uh, during well, the recording process of this? Some of them were things we were told to change. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, um, well, like for instance, we were going to do a cover of she's gone by uh hound dog taylor because i've been playing that song for a long time and i had a really slow heavy version that i wanted to have as like the last track on an album and it was gonna be and at the time we were kind of like working over what was going to be on the album we planned on doing that and i hit up a friend of mine matt from he plays in the blues band ga20 if you've heard of them just okay. to talk a little bit about like covers and licensing and this and that. And he was like, Oh, what song are you going to do? And I was like, she's gone by Hound Dog Taylor. And he was like, Oh, we just recorded that. It's our next single. And it was kind of like, uh Oh, <laughs> cause like, yeah, oh, yeah. really good. And like, I love GA 20, but I also didn't want to compete with them or attempt or like, it just seemed like a weird thing. And then mm -hmm. we were also, when we started making this album we were working with a label and one of the things that matt said was like we'll talk to your label about it and when i brought it up he was like well you really shouldn't do that song especially if they're doing it and if you have to license it and i literally yeah. said to chris like what's another way to say she's gone and he said lady no more and i wrote the new lyrics in like a few minutes and it was like okay it's an original song now <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of just slow it down a lot and give it a whole f new feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be kind of ironically album. came up with it. 
it ends up being like something that sticks, you know, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be the title track of the album, too. And we were going to call the album that, yeah. Yeah. And we had like a whole concept that we kind of came up for the artwork. And I hired the artist who did our last album cover, uh, Mehdi, who's from Indonesia. And it was just like the first draft he did was a little like different than a lot of the stuff he did. And um, just wasn't really totally like he's an amazing artist. It just um, it, it, it almost didn't look like a sure. style. He's a great artist. When we tried to work with him on it, though, he ended up getting COVID. And wow. we almost weren't able to really communicate. It was hard to understand his situation. And uh, I tried to, like, be graceful with it. But to be honest, like, we didn't have an album cover until the week pretty much the album got submitted to the record company. Because, yeah. again, like, um, I, I hired this guy for, like, a week in May. And in August, we still had no cover. Mm-hmm. And literally, like, as a last-ditch thing, I think it was like Wednesday, Wednesday morning. I literally typed in on Instagram or no, just on Google, like album arts, cover, cover art for sale, album art for sale. The first thing that came up is the cover we use. Like it was kind of like I typed it in and that image came up and I was like, geez, like I buy any <laughs> record with that freaking cover on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I hit the guy up right away and he was so helpful and so like, just was willing to answer all of my questions and really work with me. But again, it kind of became yeah. like, what do we call the album? If the cover doesn't look like lady, no more. And we don't even have like the concept yeah. anymore. Yeah. And uh, we didn't write it with like space in mind or anything. So mm-hmm. like it kind of, it just really looked good, but I yeah. sent the artist the song titles and he said he thought no comfort was the best one to fit that vibe and mm-hmm. to be honest he ended up having a lot of input and really kind of like helped guide me through parts yeah. of the process like uh when he sent he me the cover really it was a very big long blank thing like it was a gatefold so it had both sides and again i was kind of like well one has to be the front and one has to be the back and he mm-hmm. did a lot more editing than I thought he'd be willing to do. And again, not knowing much about producing a record, him and George were kind of the two guys who knew the most about it. And when it actually came time to like design and create the vinyl, they ended up kind of helping me with a lot of it. Like I was asking them so many questions that they were like, why don't you just give us the login information and we'll do it. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and to be honest, I was like lucky that happened because I was like, I'm going to screw something up because again, we were working with a label and then we weren't. There's a lot like, of meticulous kind of details and the, like the a lot of things I didn't know about. <laughs> yeah. He was asking me a lot of it and I was like, I have no idea, man. <laughs> It sounds like a lot of math and dimensions. and It was a oh, new yeah, thing yeah. for both of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Once you kind of get into yeah. all of that stuff and um, 
yeah, it's a whole new world that, that goes on, like, behind the scenes of Kunaki music. is just responsible <laughs> for all my albums, which is very easy format CDs system. Yeah. You're right. I've never done vinyl before. This is our first vinyl. I've made mm-hmm. a lot of CDs, and I, I did, like, a 7-inch a few years ago, but it was a lathe cut, and those are pretty cheap, and it was a small pressing, mm-hmm. but... That was the thing is at the beginning of this year, I, I really was like, I only want to make this album if it's a vinyl. Like, I'm not really sure why, but that mm-hmm. was kind of my main motivation as like a musician was I want to have a 12 inch record with my music on it because I never had. And yeah, it seemed like this is the real, this is a real thing. And it's a real step these days. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. It shows a level that of dedication. Def- that was definitely sweet in the deal for me <laughs> joining, I think. <laughs> it was just like the idea of being like, oh, wow, I could be a part of that this year. Wow. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, that brings up a couple of things. I mean, I've, uh, and I appreciate it as well of just physical media, something that I've kind of had my uh, drive behind over the last couple of years of just whatever else it is, doing tapes or, you know, lathe cuts or just something just so that it's not just digital. Because it, it's, for me personally, I've said it time and time again, It doesn't. it's like this weird, like it's not fully real when it's just like a download, I guess, you know, like I, yeah, so, it could I, just mean, I, know, I know that it is, yeah. but, it's like, but it's like, oh, like when someone's like, oh, my new record's out, it's like, where is it? It's like, it's only on Spotify. Like, again, it's, it's like, oh, all right, well, like, can I I'm, buy it? That could, disappear, that could disappear one day. You never know. Yeah. I love um, but I do think, like, um, for me, I, I buy I buy records and I buy CDs. It's only in the last mm-hmm. couple of years that to try to cut down, I stream sort of just because, like, well, you really shouldn't buy everything, dude. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. To be honest, uh, again, there is something missing, but I do think... Like uh, me personally, I like Bandcamp. I like the way it's set up. Mm-hmm. I've actually been using it since 2009. And I tell a lot of people, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a streaming site that was around mm-hmm. back then besides them that still is. I might be wrong, but I, I seem to be using it before a lot of people were aware of it. And the mm-hmm. interface hasn't changed. Like what you go, what you see when you go on an album is the same design now as it was then. And there's something pleasing about it to me. Like, yeah. It looks cool. It it responds well. You do kind of feel like you're in like an open version of the like it's not like Spotify where it's like it almost doesn't yeah. even look like the album. You can yeah. actually tell that the band had an input and they made it look this way on purpose. And I mm-hmm. think that goes yeah. a long way. Yeah. I also think uh, growing yeah, up I'm, I'm, with I'm, physical media has like a big part of like nostalgia and just like kind of keeping that going in that industry alive of like physical releases and not being able to just like get anything you want on the internet you know can't download a t-shirt so Mm -hmm. you know t-shirts will sell vinyl will sell you know uh and it's you know you kind of have to think about that and like it's good to have you know it's you know you have it for for however long you have it you know it's it's not on mm-hmm. a phone that can die or, you know. If you have it, you'll definitely have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm also like a nerd for all of like the limited edition stuff. Like the, you know, like yeah, I grew up in like the, the punk and hardcore scene. So it's like, oh, this one is, you know, like 
50 were on black and 75 were on clear or whatever else it is. Like I'd nerd out about all that yeah. kind of stuff. So I think that it's cool, but yeah, yeah I'd love to hear a little That's bit more Nick. about. That's definitely Nick. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Nick is showing uh, his uh, CD collection here, which is quite massive. Um, a couple of records. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But so what are you doing for the vinyl? Can you talk a little bit more about the design for that? Because it sounds like it's, uh, you know, you're able to expand upon that as well. Is, are there any... Uh... is going to be sick. That's what it's yeah. going to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a, like, multicolor, randomized, uh, you know... It's so physical, secret. Physical wax. We yeah. don't even know what colors they are. It kind of fits into the it fits into the space know. idea of like you know eight songs, eight planets. Maybe I thought of that after though. Like that wasn't planned. Uh, and I then like you know, kind of the vinyl maybe looking like your own little planet. That's something people yeah. could maybe get into. You know, it's your yeah. own, like, and plus it's got cool planet. music on it. You know, vinyls are the exact shape of the Earth, and they're just as flat too. Flat. <laughs> oh, you heard it here first. Absolutely. Nick thinks that we live on a flat earth. <laughs> the rumors are true. Yeah. Every rumor uh, is true about us. <laughs> we are flat, flat earth blues. Yeah. Um, but as the, as the artwork expanded, like the artists that you're working with, are there additional pieces that tie into that, uh, to that astronaut so did, piece um, that's there? He did add like, some labels like um the labels look pretty cool but um basically it's like the front and the back cover it's um cool it's not a gatefold it's a single sleeve yeah. jacket and every record will be a random color um it's kind of cool the like the the plant we did it through I, I wanted we actually wanted to have a white vinyl and it was really expensive to get white but it wasn't expensive to get black. And they were like, well, we have an option. You can do this eco mix thing where we use the recycled inks from other pressings that didn't get used. And you end up with a random color variant for every record. And it was kind yeah, of like, cool. Well, I, I honestly think that's kind of like a selling point. Like, cause again, usually, and we're not charging more for it, but most of the time colored vinyl costs like a couple bucks more, but because I paid the same amount as black because they kind of passed that on to me. We're selling them for what we would sell black vinyl for. And mm -hmm. every single copy will be a random unique color. So no two yeah. will be alike, which I think is kind of cool. Definitely. I'm yeah, definitely yeah. keeping one. I'm going to open all of them and pick out the best one. <laughs> Take all the cool ones. Yeah. 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 Typically like I got this, this dirty toilet water brown one that I'll give to yeah. like my enemies. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Exactly. They're going to, they're going to look like uh, jelly bellies or like the, the jelly <laughs> oh, yeah, beans. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like this one's yeah. popcorn and like burnt looking. <laughs> yeah. It's got like yellow. Um, <laughs> it's like a tooth. You know, I am kind of, I, I do like hope I don't like open mine and like, this looks, oh, I don't want this one. Yeah. <laughs> but Can we trade? <laughs> I don't think most, like if they're using uh, inks from pressings that got made, I doubt somebody was like, oh, I'm going to get, like most people don't design their records to be ugly or off-putting yeah. unless they're like, <laughs> I mean, I have had yeah. some like vomit brown vinyls that actually smelled bad and I've had like, 
I had a record that had worms in the jacket, stuff like that. But I don't think wow, it's going to be insane. quite so off-putting. Yeah, I have a lot of weird stuff in my collection. Yeah. <laughs> I got an album with a razor blade one time that said kill yourself on it. And we don't oh have God. anything like that. <laughs> it doesn't no, come with not... anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Just some colors. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe no, it says X, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a uh, bullet in every vinyl package <laughs> just for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but Free yeah, I'd love to talk about outer space. Talk about what's what's on the record. Yeah, you know, can we get a little bit uh, deeper into the album what itself, the, the, the sound of it? Um, you know, I mean, um, I guess I'm also just kind of curious, just, I mean, this is a Rhode Island music podcast. Rhode Island has a pretty long, uh, you know, lineage of blues True. music uh, from like, you know, Ooh. 60s, 70s, you know, uh, is had any of that stuff ever influenced you? Like, you know, Ken Lyon, Tombstone, like Killer yeah. Kane, the, the harmonica player, like any of those Neil people? Neil and the Vipers, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We actually lost Absolutely. the uh, the thing to Neil and the Vipers, but they are a great band. Graciously, really graciously lost. <laughs> graciously, happy to be mentioned <laughs> next to them. But um, yeah. Th- to to be honest, like uh, I I like Paul Jeremiah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't He's think awesome. there's a lot of like I don't know the Rhode Island blues scene. Like to be honest, I'm not part of it. Like, I've never really felt like I was. And to be honest, like, blues fans don't like our music. Like, I kind of wanted this to be a blues band. But again, like, coming from a heavy background, my music is heavy. But it was always my intention to kind of be authentic and play blues. But somewhere along the lines, I realized it was better to kind of just be myself. But again, when you market yourself over and over toward blues bands and blues fans like i'd hate to say it but they're some of the most elitist people i've met and it is kind of strange like the only time i've ever had shows where they put blues their fingers a serious in business are like people boo like if we play a blues show it's not good i don't really get why i mean um chris remember when we played that thing in hyannis over the summer and that guy afterward was like Oh, I run a blues show and I'll put you on the radio, but you guys got to get softer. Like you can't do what you're doing. And it was kind of like, he, he he came up with like an agenda to kind of like, let us know that like, you know, you guys could be great, but there's a few things that I would critically change. And we, I think upon just hearing the things he wanted to change, we were kind of just like, well, that's what we're going for. So like, you know, Thanks, man. You know, I mean, you, you, any conversation like that, you kind of go, yeah, dude, you know, cool. Thanks. Well, thanks for coming up. You know, he did say some nice things. He did, you know, he mm-hmm. did appreciate like what we were doing as much as he was like, you know, like I would have told that joke this way. You know what I mean? And it's like, thanks, man. Again, it was almost like a backhanded compliment, but a compliment, I guess. It was just kind of like he was just kind of like young manning us, I think. You know, just kind of being oh, okay. like, this is how it's done, you know, and, you know, re- I respect that. I understand where that comes from, you know, along, I'm sure he's been playing longer than I've been alive and I respect that for sure. But also like, hey man, I'm sure someone said that to you when you were my age and you were kind of just like, sure thing, man. And <laughs> yeah. kept going on, you know, like so. a, a, a big thing, at least I think like, uh, yeah. 
people want this kind of music to remind them of something specific. And if it doesn't, they don't think of it that way. Yeah. Like, I, I, I do enjoy the feedback, though. Well, definitely. Like, it's just, there are a lot of great, like, I'm really into voodoo rhythm records from Switzerland, and they have all mm-hmm. these blues bands and duos that don't sound like your dad's blues band. Like, and they show yeah. that this isn't a genre so much limited to doing one thing as it's about a feeling and you can take that mm-hmm. feeling and play almost anything with it if it's real. But mm-hmm. again, a lot of people like, like if you're not playing a certain song, they don't want to hear it. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, we had a lot of covers and a lot of standards and a lot of them turned into originals. Yeah. And it was like, that's almost a turnoff to a lot yeah. of those types of things. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of like, to be honest, I'm not trying to sound condescending to them, but it is weird. Like I've been trying to sell myself as a blues musician for about eight years. And it was only earlier this year that, I mean, with Chris in the band and us being like real friends and having a connection, we were kind of like, you know, we're not really a blues band. We're more like some heavy stoner blues duo. And it was Mm kind of like, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> and well, you know, we both came from metal bands starting out, and yeah. uh, you know, I think just kind of like having a natural want to kind of do whatever you want. You know, I think any genre has like its gatekeeping areas where people are like, "You got to do it this way. You got to do it this way." And yeah. you know, I think anyway, any band I've ever been in, you know, I've I've kind of like gathered afterwards, like, yeah, man. No one was doing it like that then, you know what I mean? It was like, it, we did it, and it, the music came out that way because we just ended up doing what we wanted instead of, like, referring to the rule book after writing mm-hmm. every song and making, well, does it have this? Well, it's got to have that. If it's going to be a blues song, and that's like, and I know, man, just write the song. Like, we'll feel it out, you know? There uh, have been I think, really- like... I kind of shut like think, even you had some things where you said to me, like, don't get trapped in the blues. Like, you don't have to check off every box. Like I think just, I just have like a natural yeah. want to rebel against like, <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, I'm not allowed to do that? Cool. Well, that's what, definitely yeah. what I'm going to do now, you know. And I'm it's doing it like, twice now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not out of spite as much as just like, why can't I do it? Like, yeah, I feel um, it. Yeah. I like it this way. It's good enough for me. It took mm-hmm. me a long time to kind of, to have that mindset myself. Again, I've always... Like, it is a strange thing with uh, Adapter Adapter is that we've almost always been more well-known across the country and in other countries than we are in New England. Mm -hmm. And I've always kind of been adamant about wanting to get into this scene in this area more because I like playing shows and I really just wanted to play better shows. But at a certain point, I did realize, like, if you're trying too much to fit into one box, it does. It doesn't look cool. It doesn't look right. It doesn't seem right. like. Uh, it was just a very like, I don't know, not to say like fuck the blues, but we were sort of like fuck the blues. Let's do what we want to do and be who we want to be. And to be honest, the reaction to this album has been more amazing than anything I've done. And I do yeah. think it's because I didn't try to tell people this is what it is. 
this is what it is. I kind of just let people, I'm like, it's a heavy, it's a heavy, heavy blues record. I don't tell people it sounds like this or it sounds like this. I tell yeah. like, I don't tell people it's punk or it's doom or it's metal because that is a thing. Yeah. Like we get called a lot of things. We get called a lot of things that aren't blues. Like, to be honest, a lot of people mm-hmm. will tell me straight up, you're not a blues band. You're a punk band. And that's not really like a bad thing. It's just, everybody has different ears. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. I realized that that's a good thing too. Like I used to kind of be more elitist about, you got to hear this this way. But like, I, I think it's kind of interesting to be in a band that people hear in different ways because not a lot of people use the term blues metal or like, I often hear terms to describe our music that don't seem super common. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. If people are saying things about it that are different from everybody else. I think that's actually helps you stand out a little bit. I mean, uh, with this this record, uh, it's it's cool to hear the the response to it. Uh, you know, uh, I read the article that that Rob DeGay did. You know, he kind of mentioned that um, in that article. Yeah, that was really nice. Was, uh, um, shout so out Rob DeGay. That's uh, this is maybe a, a more I don't even know if you said like more personal record or just more upfront personal like it it seems that some of the other records that you've done have had that but you've kind of masked them a little bit this one but this one you've kept it out there and been more um free with it you know of just like this is who i am this is what i'm feeling type stuff is that correct it it was a conscious decision like you pretty much like you noticed it a lot of people noticed it because it is Mm -hmm. it's there but Mm -hmm. again uh, I'm a cancer survivor and I've gone through a lot in the last couple of years and I've learned a lot about like life in general and my life. And I realized that it's like, if you want to say something, you have to say it now. Mm-hmm. And if you really feel something, you shouldn't be around the bush. You should come out and say how you feel and what you think. And sometimes those are the hardest things to say and listen to, but to be honest, like at our shows lately, like I can see the look in some people's eyes that they feel things differently. Mm-hmm. And they say things to me that I didn't hear before, like in regards to our message and our lyrics. And I think that's important because mm-hmm. again, if people can relate to it and it helps them, that's a good thing. And again, like 
especially if like if you're a cancer survivor, listen to this album because I don't know how many blues guys made an album about that. I know a lot of them had those kinds of problems, but mm-hmm. it's something I tried to like again, it's weird saying the word cancer into a microphone, but I did it on the record because I felt like I had to. And I didn't really want to beat around it at all. And I do think that kind of came out in almost every song. Again, some of them weren't the newest track. Trying to like take the most real things and try to take songs. Like I didn't try to take a song on this album that didn't actually happen to me. I just didn't want to do that this time. I kind Mm -hmm. of wanted it to be apparent and more obvious. And I especially think with the people who've heard our stuff before, this record hit them differently because of that. Because there mm-hmm. weren't any robots and there weren't any vampires. I mean, there's coffins and stuff. <laughs> but, um, coffins and stuff is my favorite song. Coffins and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Coffin flop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's cool. And yeah, I mean, like, all art, all music, the more that you can. Uh, at least for me, uh, again, from my own personal experience, I grew up in more like the emo punk scene as as well, you know. So like just the honest, like hard on the sleeve, like this is what I'm feeling, can resonate, you know. And uh, very much, you know. I, I'm so happy to hear uh, that you're doing well um, and and everything with that. Try my best. That's, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just that I'm I'm glad that that you're able to make this record, obviously, you know. But. Uh, <laughs> you're like thanks james but uh yeah yeah uh uh, but it just you know it just it can be important just you know pain is universal and if you can kind of just share these things and and there's other people like whether or not it's another blues artist or another you know whatever genre artist that you want to someone can relate like someone is going to hear this and um hopefully and, yeah, and, and you never know who who needs to hear that and when they need to hear it you know like um i mean for me cancer has touched my family as well and it's just like it, losing someone to that is horrible people you know, have so. some kind of frame of reference of it like it's mm-hmm. part of our society and again a thing i've learned is there's tons of people around us that we know that have it and we don't know it because not everybody can even talk about it and not everybody can be honest about it. And again, that was really just something I wanted to put out that like, you can be honest or I'll be honest for you. I'll say these things for you. Like you can believe in this for yourself, but I wanted to put that out there for a lot of people because it has been something that happened to me a lot in the last couple of years. More people, coming to me and talking to me about the problems they had and mm-hmm. again some of them are open about it and some of them aren't but like that was a thing like i was like i'm gonna take my music and make it about this mm-hmm. as brutal and negative as that seemed it seemed like the best way to deal with it and even mm-hmm. i think chris had said said something at one point like hey you wanted to be a blues man and now you got all this shit that happened to you so sing about it. <laughs> it yeah, like, man, you yeah. wanted to be a blues man. So like you got your blues. Yeah, I did realize it. Like that's something I read a lot growing <laughs> up. Like you'd read things with these, with um, 
like the older guys when they toured England and they would talk about the young bands who opened up for them and say things like, these kids want the blues. I don't understand how these animals and these yardbirds, they want the blues so bad. Like, what the hell is wrong with them? Why would mm-hmm. anybody want this? And I never yeah. understood that. Like, because again, I wanted to be that. But it, like, it is kind of true. Like, when you seek out to be that thing and you become it, it becomes a really heavy thing. Somebody yeah. said to yeah. me recently, you like, listen, hey, you listen to an old band like Howlin' Wolf or something. <laughs> you hear you hear that you know the pain the hurt how many more years are you gonna rape my life he says that and it's like whoa like what are you talking about dude and he was talking about something <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he was talking about something that happened and he said it in that brutal of a fashion but mm-hmm. i think that's what part of it is about getting mm-hmm. it out because i don't know the yeah. more you lie about things the less you're able to deal with them it's like mm-hmm. some people's what you see of them is not real. Like some people mask everything. We all do sometimes. But like, again, if you're never yourself, that's weird. And mm-hmm. if, you, if you're hiding something because you're ashamed of it or you think other people aren't going to understand, screw that. Like let it out and be yourself. If you're not hurting someone, there's not really, you shouldn't care what these people think. You should just do it. And I've had a lot more of that mentality this year than almost ever before. Mm. And it doesn't everyone go release a vinyl. Now (laughs) go out and do it, man. Go make vinyl record. Actually, you better do it. I read if you don't make a record in the next three months, it won't come out until 2023. So get on it. Make a record now. Dodge that bullet. We worked pretty quick. Admittedly, that was the thing we were criticized for was making, was working too quickly, (laughs) making the album too fast. (laughs) Oh, that was interesting to hear. Who said that? Like from, from uh, people that are fans of the band from, from who? It was more of like when we were, um, when we were, working with different people and trying to get different ideas about it. Like it it just, I mean, that has kind of been a thing before, like, uh, because I do tell people that when I say I'm going to do something, I really do usually do it. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. if I'm like, like even with this band, there were times I didn't have a drummer and it was like, well, I'm going to go play this show because I'm just going to go do it. I, if I say I'm going to do something, I usually do. So I wasn't like, I wanted to make this record this year and I wanted to have it done by August. And mm-hmm. that's what we did. And it was like, you know what I mean? It, I think we spent more studio time on it than most of the releases we've made. But like, it was very much like, hey, I have a new drummer and it's Chris. And then before people even knew it, we were already making an album. And we'd already played a handful of shows and it's already mm-hmm. done. So, like, again, I don't think productivity and being efficient is necessarily a bad thing, (laughs) but some people will say that, like, rushing things, um, you make more mistakes. It takes a lot longer with five members, I imagine, you know. Uh, That that is the thing I tell people. Like, if you only have one guy to look at and one line of communication, things can move. Like, again, even when I started this band, within... 14 months we had two cds and we played about 100 shows in 10 states 
I he did go back and change some things too. So like there was no, True. we weren't trying to rush through it as much as True. we were like, we want to be satisfied with what we get. And George just really, George was the one who worked quick, if anything, yeah, I think. Like, I think George is just, a, he just knows his stuff. And we could be literally talking about the things we wanted to change. And George would just be like, it already happened. And we'd be hearing it different. And he's like, oh, oh okay. He like already, he would shift it in the... He's, yeah. he's just that good. And uh, it was really interesting <laughs> to work with uh, in that sense of just being like, wow, this guy is listening, understanding, and kind of like, you know, there would be times where he, uh, you know, would be like, I'll be honest with you. I think it should be this way, or maybe this would sound cooler. Um, he really doesn't pull punches. Like... But again, and that can be a good thing. All for the you best, I think. You know, was, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that kind of honesty, and I, I, I do enjoy criticism. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as anyone else, and so yeah. There are some yeah. people you should listen to, and yeah, you can't I, rebel against everything. You know, I mean, I, I know that you played uh, multiple parts on this, Nick. I mean, you played bass, and then you did uh, harmonica. But for the main recording, was this done live? Or did you um, do the drum tracking and then come in and do your guitars and vocals and everything like that? Like, yeah, how, well, how did you guys actually record this with, with George? Again, a lot of people will tell you over and over that you can't make an album without a metronome these days. But I'm going to say I haven't used a metronome on an album in a long time. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we recorded the basic tracks with me playing guitar and singing with Chris. And that's the bedrock of the entire album is oh, like all together. Like you, so you just did it live with that. We just, like, that was we jammed, we plugged in and like, yeah. Nice. I went back and did, redid the vocals. I did my harmonicas. I added the bass, but admittedly, like most of the guitars were in the scratch track. And and that's another thing is like, George is pretty, like a lot of people have been asking me about the tone and the guitars on this album. People think it's, it's multi-tracked or this and that it's one guitar with one amp and no effects pedals. It's just, it sounds like that for some reason, (laughs) but (laughs) that's what he did. (laughs) But again, he kind of was striving for reality and he would say over and over, I'm trying to make you guys sound like you guys. And mm-hmm. that was a big thing. Like yeah. I wanted to give us a lot of credit, which was reality. strange. <laughs> he's like, you're making all the stuff. I'm just putting it together. I mean, he's a wizard. He's a great time working with him. It's really easy. Anybody yeah. should go I record really with like him. I like being in the studio, but I like working with George because again, we he's have very comfortable and easy. Mm-hmm. He's just a fun guy to hang out with. Yeah, he sure is. Like, I try to learn as much as I can, and there are some people you should listen, and he's one of those types of people. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, everyone that's listening, you know, check out Galilee Productions. Check out Galilee Productions. (laughs) (laughs) Cumberland, right? Cumberland, Rhode Island, right? Yeah. Pretty much every good album that comes out around here is recorded there. Shout out to my yeah, Viking, to the Viking Jesus new album is there. It's really good. Viking Jesus's new album is there. Um, they got a vinyl. Honest, as a kid playing in metal bands, I would often notice 
that my friends' bands or the bands we were playing with were going there. And even as a mm-hmm. kid, like my friends would be like, yo, check out our demo. We sound way better than we really do. And it was like, I heard about this guy over and over and over until we did a show with Viking Jesus. And somebody was like, you know, that's George, right? And it was kind of like, really? That's the guy. Like, <laughs> I already had a ton of albums in my collection that had his name on. So it kind of mm-hmm. seemed like a natural choice. We st- I started working with him in, I think, 20... What was the first one I did with him? Give Up the Ghost, maybe? Uh, I think so. <laughs> but he's done our yeah. last... Um, this is our third release he's done for us now. Nice. And first time know. for me. I don't really like the one in the studio, so that's why I hit up him. I already know it'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, uh, it- love to hear like what song are you most excited i mean the, the record's out but like what song is your favorite like what would you uh shout out most and and why for no comfort i like the the title track um partially because it grooves and it's got a little bit of um a sound we didn't have before i used my mm-hmm. fingers a lot more on this album and i think it reflected in the playing like but finger, um finger style guitar yeah. you mean? Yeah. okay but, uh, I think that song, like, the record has a weird vibe where it's really heavy and really mellow almost the whole way through, like, at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think that song sums up that vibe. Like, the whole album is kind of, like, mellow and heavy throughout, like, spacey in a weird way. But I think it Mm -hmm. kind of sums up the, the general attitude. And again no comfort like it's a very bluesy phrase (laughs) for sure yeah yeah how about you christopher which uh track is your favorite off of this one and why i think no comfort is definitely a uh, easy pick but uh lizzie's revenge for me i think is the song i spent the most time with and sort of like knocked into my head so much because of I'm a sucker for like heartbreak songs and just like really feely music and also adding the guitar to that plus the drums and kind of that is Chris feeling like that was where we on. first started. Uh, yeah, yep. Yeah, I did the guitar solo on that one. Um, Which again uh, is something new. <laughs> I feel like that's where me and Nick really started writing together and I wasn't just like learning. Shout out to all the other adapter adapter drummers. I had to learn all of your stuff. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much. Was, yeah. <laughs> no easy task super high bar set much respect uh, but right, I felt though, like that was where I started coming in with my feeling of how so Lizzie's Revenge I, I'm going to have to say that I, I don't think well, that was even going to be on the album and you were kind of like what are some other songs you have And it was going to be I like six songs and then we ended up adding more really into it <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. but it kind of yeah. was like I wasn't planning on doing it. And again, he was so enthusiastic about it. And it was funny too. Like when we finished it, he sent me a video like, Hey, I know we won't ever use it, but I wrote a guitar solo for this song. And it was like, well, we are going to use it then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like he had cool asked idea. me to send him some licks, like in like the key of D, you know, that maybe just like to mess around with. And I was using that song as kind of a, that song's in D, so I can just kind of show you in your own music what you can apply to it, maybe. Uh, 
and the good guitars. I got, I got, I got really enthusiastic about like the song. It was just like, so I kind of put this together, you know, and like, maybe you could use that. And then Mm -hmm. it kind of ended up being every time I heard the song, like when that part came on, I would hear that guitar solo in my head. And, you know, Nick was like, dude, fucking record it. You know what I mean? So it's just like, cool. Uh, And again, I think Lizzie's revenge, like with, being a reference sort of to Thin Lizzy, you have to have a guitar solo, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You had you Definitely just have- tribute <laughs> to Thin Lizzy. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and uh, I- I'll just quickly shout out uh, Tell Me a Lie. I've been digging that one. I, I really like the feel of that one. And it's uh, like- kind of what we're talking about earlier that it just has a different That's a fun one. sound. Like it, you know, it's kind of brought a couple of different things together. Uh, and it it's just, a weird, heavy you know, ballad. Everybody tells me it's a ballad. Yeah, a lot of changes. Don't have cool. that much distortion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There isn't well, a clean one. guitar anywhere on this album. <laughs> but people yeah. tell me there's ballads on it, and I'm like, I guess you can write a ballad with a distortion. Charity ballads, right? man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Lizzie's is awesome as well. So, uh, but yeah, can you just remind people of where to pick up this record, all your other records, and pre-order the vinyl? What's, uh, um, go to our Bandcamp, um, adapteradapterband.bandcamp.com. Um, we've kind of been focusing solely on Bandcamp so far. Like to be honest, uh, like um, great platform. It's going to be on every format soon, but I've literally been holding it back because I want yeah, okay. people to focus on the Bandcamp. And yeah. you can listen to it there. You can pre-order the record. We should have the records in a couple weeks. Nice. So probably by December, you'll be getting them or whatever. And then we'll have them at shows pretty soon, too. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be here before we know it, I imagine. Yeah. Can't but, wait. Um, you can hear it a lot of places. Um, Brock Freaks from Germany, um, they have it on their channel in YouTube. Um Heavy Stoner Doom Blues have it on their channel. Um, there was one from Spain. To be honest, we've been getting like that's kind of the weird thing is it's it is getting listened to all over. I'm just kind of like I'm telling starting a little buzz. Rhode Island got to start listening to it now though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Rhode Island. Yeah, Come on. I love you. This is the Rhode Island yeah. shakedown, and I am shaking you down to buy my record. I've sold <laughs> yeah. several copies to the Germans, so show them that you support your local blues musicians, I guess. <laughs> Definitely. And, and yeah, with that as well, uh, the you have a show coming up this Saturday, November 20th with yeah. Mini Beast dude, and oh, Mini Beast, dude. dude. Whew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I told Mini Beast is incredible. <laughs> that, that is a drummer right there. Oh my god, dude. I love that band. Oh. <laughs> we always like Planet Dusk, and we're going to be at a skew on the 28th with Camelo Bard. We have shows, like, we're working on stuff, we're doing stuff. It's just we're mostly focused on the record and the album. And, and again, yeah, yeah. part of this has taught me to just be myself in this regard. And I'm trying to apply that to where the band is leading and heading mm-hmm. and to have a more relaxed attitude and to have a bit more fun and have a good time i guess yeah have fun man we gotta have fun it's the blues 
Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> There's a shirt right there. Gotta have fun. It's the blues, yeah. you know. So Yeah, right. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh well cool. Yeah. Definitely recommend, you know, following you on social media as you know, we can keep up with uh shows and other news and happening and stuff like that. So uh do that and yes, Christopher and, and Nick, thank you for taking some time to, you know, talk more about this record. It's uh Absolutely, man. Thank you. Again, again, thanks to George and thanks to Jonathan Grimm who did the artwork. He's yeah. really good. He's got a lot of amazing stuff for sale. So if you need anything, like, like again, I didn't even commission that. It was just something he put up and it was mm-hmm. like, wow. But he's got a lot of really great, really amazing stuff on there. And yeah. again, like, he'll help you through the process. So I can't mm-hmm. really recommend him and George more like, there are two people who aren't in the band that had more of an effect on how this record came out than I could have imagined, totally. I guess. Totally. Yeah. And it does seem to make sense. I mean, uh, the knowing a little bit of that history of what you've gone through, Nick, it was just also like, it seems to make it's sense. Good to have community kind of and everyone that, helping that, each other out. That it was just, it was just cool how it almost serendipitously kind of came together to, to, to have the, the record be what it is. You know, it has a different message with that. So it's, it's and it wasn't awesome easy. I think that's part of it too, is the record was extremely challenging to make at different times, but mm-hmm. at the end of it, I was just really pleased with it. And mm-hmm. I think again, like risk reward, like sometimes you kind of have to, you got to sweat and bleed a little to, to really make something happen that's worthwhile. And there are mm-hmm. times where it's like, this is bad. And I don't know if I can actually do this, but yeah. when you get over the hump or when you get to the top of the mountain and you can look down on it and see what you did, sometimes it's all worth it. And mm-hmm. again, this is a very, I don't know, being a very personal record and putting it out there, I did feel like this was a huge weight to kind of lift off of myself Mm-hmm. And not necessarily to just put on other people, but to put it out there in a way that deals with it positively. Because again, mm-hmm. like you can take you can take a negative and make it a positive. You know, two negatives make a positive. This album has eight negatives, so it's like very positive. <laughs> so go listen to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to it and feel my pain in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Take my pain from me. I give it to you. I will make you feel. Uh, Well, yes, everyone go listen to uh, No Comfort from Adapter Adapter. Go see them with Mini Beast and Songbirds a Saturday and at a skew and every other time they play. Go and support these guys. If you're looking for it on Spotify or iTunes, it'll be there soon. But Mm -hmm. for now, we'll check the Bandcamp, buy records, go to sites that actually pay the artists because. Spotify yeah, is not Bandcamp really Fridays, dude. Mm-hmm. Bandcamp Friday is a lifesaver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you dude. so much, man. Take care. Bye. And thanks everyone for listening and watching. Talk to you soon. Later. <laughs>